So I have to kind of have all my ducks in a row before I ever leave. So pretty interesting. I, I look forward to a people got to eat pod <laughs> podcast where we discuss discuss that one. Uh, but this is a this is the bikes podcast. This is this is the cycling podcast. Let's talk about ninety nine point nine percent bikes. Yeah, yeah. Let let let's roll. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Shiftless, a podcast about bicycles that is now officially heard in the great state of Mississippi. Hell yes. Took long enough. It did take long enough. <laughs> Sons of guns. Welcome to the party, Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. <laughs> Oh, and it could very well be your cousin from weeks ago, and that's how long the reporting takes to come through. I honestly don't know. That's fair. I am definitely seeing some. Uh, I think our reporting is less than accurate. I'll just leave it at that. But you know, it's you some. What, it's something to pay for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we are, we are not knocking Spotify, even though. It, the episode showed up yesterday in the middle of the day for some reason. Yeah. It was weird. I don't yeah. know why that. It showed up everywhere everywhere else Monday yeah. right on time. Yeah, that was interesting for, for me because what was weird is if I went to Spotify's website and looked for it, it was on there, but not on the app. And I even closed the app and reopened it and searched. Yeah. I mean, I did everything, and I was just... It was just curious, and then just like you said, I think it was either yes, yesterday, yeah, yesterday about mid morning it showed up, yes, out of the blue. And then I got, I, I think I told you I'm a Google Podcast guy, and I got the notification from Google yesterday that they will be discontinuing Google Podcasts. So now I get to oh, find really? a, a new podcast platform. Yeah, I mean, Android fanboys got a podcast too. Uh, you know. It uh, I liked it back in the days when Google was innovating and throwing out new shit every other week. Now they just seem to be pulling it all back. If it doesn't instantly make a gazillion dollars for them, that is the new business model, though. I mean, I you dip your toes in, you cut your losses before you get overexposed. I mean, a I lot understand. of companies are following that mentality. Well, but I was going to ask you this. Okay, Google. Android. Can we lump those together? Sure. I mean, is is not Google... The... A- Android was developed by Google. Right. But Android is now a platform that falls across everybody else, right? Or do all phones utilize Google? I'm not sure I'm following the question. You, I'm not so, sure I'm making the question so right. So you, you, uh, you have an operating system for your phone. Mm-hmm. It's either iOS... Mm-hmm, which is Apple, Apple exclusive. Android, which is Google... Mm-hmm. Or I think there's some Windows phones out there that that never caught on. Well, what I was getting at is Google is to iOS, right? So Apple and Android are the main competitors, even though Android isn't a brand necessarily, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's Apple and Google are the main competitors. 
in the cell phone world. So it's kind of like Shimano and SRAM? There we go. Yeah. Bringing it back to bikes. That's what I was getting. That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. And then your little Microsoft phones are uh, like campy. Maybe not even that. Maybe but, not even that. But yeah. maybe. Okay, maybe. But, you know, there's two different camps is drivetrains, you know, just like there's two different camps in suspension. You know, the main big guys in suspension are RockShox and, and uh, Fox. Where, where it, in my world anyway, things mm-hmm. do start to differentiate. And again, we'll, you know, we're going back to, you know, we were talking about the applications aspect mm-hmm. of, of Google. Um, so where back in the day, let's call it 2010, mm-hmm. 2012 in that era, the boom of cell phone the boom of smartphone. Um, yeah, I want to know how you got indoctrinated into the Google world. Uh, Apple was too expensive, basically. Was it Was it that? Uh, well, it was two, th- two things, and I was actually about to touch on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apple stuff was too expensive. I'm a cheap bastard at heart. Um, but no. these, the, the main thing, actually, was back in 2010-ish, uh, the Apple applications just plain sucked. The Google apps hmm. or Google Maps were a gazillion times better than Apple Maps, for well, example. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. Gmail was a thousand times better than Apple Mail, for example. Oh, I don't even know. I didn't, didn't even know Apple had mail. Exactly. Yeah. So. I'm still a Luddite when it comes to that shit. I use Yahoo Mail and I have Gmail as well. I un- understand. I have like five different email accounts. I get it, yeah. but ultimately, well, I was drawn towards Android because the tools themselves worked better than the Apple stuff. Apple, Apple was very Cannondale at the time. Yeah, everything was super proprietary. You had to do Apple stuff. Yeah, Apple did not let Google Maps work on their platform, for example, because that was yeah. the competition for like six or seven years until they had no other choice because they were losing market share because people yeah. wanted maps and navigation that actually worked. That's fair. But, I mean, there was other applications. But mm-hmm. the thing that nah, drew, the thing nah, that drew really. me to Apple was the cross-compatibility. Like, uh, and I'm sure, you know, and here's the thing. I've come to learn, because I was, I was a straight-up Apple fanboy. I have to admit. I mean, there's no denying it. But the thing that I learned at at some point was a lot of the stuff that we were told was, new and unique or innovative or whatever in the apple world had already been done in the google world sure. yeah yeah i mean like from phones to there there was there was no functionality that apple brought to the table that was superior to anything else other there, than the initial iphone and but the, the, I, and fun- the ipod compatibility and all that stuff all that the, stuff was I, kind of I, the I, innovation i think the the ipod was an innovation Mm-hmm. Uh, the iPhone, somewhat. There, there were other smartphone platforms that had come out before then. Yeah. But Apple was the one that had the mass market uh, intrusion to begin yeah. with. So that that's a that's always a difference maker. Yeah. You know, sure, there can be people that are putting on, we're putting on gravel events in 1998, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. But it wasn't until Dirty Konza turned into a thing yeah that gravel took off yeah that's what apple did they cleaned it up made it look pretty and marketed the shit out of yes it. yeah yep 
Yeah. It's all it was it was all marketing and hype. Yeah. And there there was there were there was a form factor involved and that's that's important sure. at that stage of the game. Yeah. So I I've never knocked the quality of their products. Um I I I I have a MacBook. Yeah. I use that for my video editing and some other stuff. Yeah. Uh haven't been doing much video editing lately, but outside, you know, uh but my day-to-day computer is still a PC. Hmm. That's what I that's what I do. That's my laptop that hangs out by my main chair in the family room where I'm doing stuff all the time. I use a laptop so infrequently, but I have a, a MacBook. I'm I'm one of those. I can't I I drive myself batty trying to do stuff on the phone. It doesn't work for me. Uh, I, I, I type a lot. Yeah. And, you know, thumb typing on a yeah. visual keyboard where, no, that was supposed to be I, not O, or that was supposed to be O, not I, or whatever yeah. else. Yeah, I find myself doing that too. So, but, so that brings me back. We're, we're trying to get this back full circle. Please so, do. So, because bicycle wheels go in circles. Yes. So is your preference on drivetrains, Shimano or SRAM? Uh, either or. So you don't you don't really care? I'm nah. Hmm. What what does the functionality I'm looking for at the price point I'm looking for, generally speaking, uh, is kind of where I lean. Um, hmm. I don't. I typically don't jump on the newest. Yeah. Same. I, I I I I look for the stuff that's not. It's like mid generation. Couple yeah. tweaks have been do, done to it. We know uh, what the prevailing issues may or may not be related. We know what the prevailing advantages may or may not be. Yeah. To it, uh, sort of thing. Well, I was going to equate SRAM as kind of like the Apple, almost because they're always just throwing out new stuff, and the replacement components are almost prohibitively expensive when you get into their higher end stuff I like to replace the cassette on my fargo unless you go with a low end or a generic not and when i say generic like an off-brand a non-shram brand cassette to get the whatever it is 1150 i can't remember which one one of them has a 50 one of them has a 51 right but right. either way it's like 350 bucks, you know, for just the cassette. This is expensive. Yes, it you is. Know? Um, that being said, I've probably had the same cassette on that bike for f- four or five years. I, I, I'm about to say, I'm beating the piss. I out. remember the $99 cassettes that really only lasted for about six months. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's, the, that's the real deal with all that, too, is, I mean, I've always been a proponent of you, you get what you pay for. You know, ah. which is is the case in a lot of bicycle stuff, and in some of it, not so much. I I, I agree, while I disagree. Yeah, there are there are, and bicycle parts and everything yeah. that's out there. Uh, there are premium priced products that are worth every penny of that premium price. Mm-hmm. There are premium priced products that are worth no more than products at a third or a half of their price. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people get caught up in the perception, well, it's expensive, so it's got to be good. Yeah, yeah, that, that does kind of seem to be a brainwashing scheme almost. But, but there's also, <clears throat> there's something to be said for companies that back their product up. 
like we were talking about before, the the Richard like Crank Brothers, the Richard Axel Project, <laughs> Robert Axel. Robert Axel Project, um, like that. still not a sponsor, but we yeah. are proud supporters of but, Robert I mean, Axel that's, Project. That's an expensive axle. I, you know, I, I take that back. It's forty eight bucks for that that axle to replace on my Fargo, but I would buy one a hundred times over. Especially because how readily they handled that whole thing, you know? Yeah, that's a big deal. But but if it was all the Crank Brothers where I was breaking one every three weeks, then I would be well, like, mm, this is where we part ways. Okay, you know? but that's, that's where it gets tricky, though. Mm-hmm. In my world, for example, I've been Crank Brothers for years. And I, literally decades at this point. This makes so much sense. Like, I, you're Google, I'm Apple... Your Crank Brothers, Shimano pedals. I'm a SRAM fanboy as far as so the. But I mean, I didn't choose. I didn't choose Crank Brothers budget Crank. purposes. It wasn't Crank there, Brothers chose you. I can't even remember exactly why I went that direction to begin. I'll tell with. you why you went that direction. Why? Because when you were getting into clipless pedals, somebody had Crank Brothers pedals for sale, and you said, "Well, I'll try those." No, I think it was. I think actually, my first clipless pedals were Crank Brothers mallets. That's why. So there you it, go. it was a combo, pe- and I don't think Shimano had a combo pedal at the time, but it could be wrong. Oh yeah, they did totally. Okay, <clears throat> but it wasn't as readily available as Crank Brothers. Okay. It wasn't as well marketed. So the rolling joke that we've had through many episodes about crank brothers customer service being so awesome because everybody has to use it so often Mm -hmm. it's a well-oiled machine (laughs) (laughs) i i don't think that's the case anymore i don't hear about those issues anymore so i don't want to sound like i'm bashing crank brothers i'm still a crank brothers customer yeah i never switched until i started switching to flats from crank brothers um but without the social media and forum platforms that we have commonalities on Mm -hmm. if i were just a crank brothers user i would i would have had the same opinion of as you do with robert axel project because i've only had one crank brother failure that's fair yeah so and that's anomalous honestly i know i know it is and from from what i understand no because i've been there when others have had theirs fail i've Go back to our, I've our seen friend. Many. Go back to our friend Truman. Mm-hmm. He he had one of his adventures nearly screwed up because of a Crank Brothers failure. What forty? I think forty miles into that same ride. Yeah, I think it was that same cross country ride we were talking yeah. about. I think he made it to Wichita Falls and had to get replacement pedals. Uh, I mean, but here's the the thing too. I was I remember when Mountain Clipless pedals first came out. I was working in a bike shop. And you know who brought those in? Shimano. Shimano was first to market with, well, at least that I'm aware of. I'm sure somebody else was doing it. But Shimano brought uh, mountain clipless pedals, SPD pedals to market. I remember getting those early 90s, like 91, 92, maybe. Um, Maybe it wasn't that early. I can't remember anything anymore. Understood. It was thirty years oh, ago. Oh, just, just, just oh, wait. Oh, I know. Just, just wait. Give it ten more years, buddy. Oh, I know. <laughs> My mom's in town, and we've been hanging out. And uh, she, she constantly tells me, "You think it's bad now? Just wait." <laughs> yes. I'm like, I, I've I'm, already got a taste of all of the shit you're talking about. So. I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in the throes of that, uh, that old age conversion mm. right now, where memory 
is so sporadic, for lack of a better term. But I, I've uh, taken to I'm going to um, turn away the old man as long as I can. I heard. Oh, please do. I heard the quote uh, from Clint Eastwood the other day. Somebody asked him, "How does he do it every day?" Because he's like 93. Something like that. And he goes, every day I wake up and I say, I'm not not letting the old man in. Not going to let the old man win. So I was like, that's a good way to, to think about it. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. But I'm also not going to be the guy wearing jams so, and vans. I'm wearing jams. So. <laughs> I, that was not intended. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I know how you work. No, you know. So, I'm, but that brings up, so that brings up a fair talking point. Mm-hmm. Uh, a la Apple, Android, a la Crank Brothers, Shimano, mm-hmm. Robert Axel Project, whatever else is out there. Are are you willing to uh, throw it out there, brands or perceptions of brands that you might think might fall into that overrated category where it might, or products or... Or whatever. Is there is there anything that just, whenever you hear it mentioned, you go. Crank Brothers is the number one. Anytime I don't somebody's know. like singing Crank Brothers pedals, I'm I don't like, know that mm. I ever, I don't know that I ever see that per se. I see yeah. there there, and this is the thing that drives me batty about all of the bike talk on social media in general. The, the people that are just willing to die on the hill of my product's the best product because it's what I have. Yeah. And it's like, what are you comparing it to? I'm, I'm far less compelled to take that stance nowadays at, at all. Oh, I've, I've never been. My whole thing is if it works for you, that's awesome. I mean, and if, if you're out there riding and, you know, everything, you like the way everything is, that's beautiful. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, why are you on that? You should be on this. I mean, I'm glad you're on it, you know? Now, I will tell you, those Crank Brothers pedals might leave you stranded. But, like you said, that may be the Crank Brothers of old. So, I, I, I think have, they had some casting issues there and yeah, there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the specifics around it and the whys and the wherefores of... I mean, that was a good... That was 10 years. 10 years of issue. 10 years ago. Was, yeah. no, but it was also 10 years of issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it, not a well, little blip. Well, you know, that's also relative, too. Was it 10 years of issues, or was it the same batch of pedals over 10 years that had issues? That's a fair point. I mean, who knows? They might have made just a gigantic Crank run Brothers. <laughs> we would love to talk to you all about this. Seriously, there's no way that you guys... Can go. We've never heard of these issues, right? <laughs> you you got you got to know that's a reputation that was established at some point. If Crank Brothers is willing to discuss it with us, the whys and the wherefores, and like I said, I truly do believe that is a non-issue for them anymore. Well, but, and that's not to say that Shimano pedals don't fail. I mean, I've never under, had I've understood. never had one fail, um, but I have had. Well, I guess I had one. Uh, where it came, the mechanism itself came loose. Had to end my ride early, but I went home and with the tools I had, was able to put it back together. Now, and it worked. I do want to. I do want to qualify it. Mm-hmm. And if my if my remembrance, my old man memory is wrong on this, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm just not properly educated on it. Uh, I do believe 
Well, there were two basic failures related to the Crank Brothers that were the most common. Uh, but one was technically and literally people that weren't meeting the maintenance schedule hmm. on them. That's fair. Um, yeah. Whether Crank Brothers set an unrealistic expectation for maintenance or not, I'm not going down that rabbit trail. I'm just saying... Yeah. Uh, you know, the spindle failure failures were basically the ones that hadn't been rebuilt. Yeah. And they're supposed to be rebuilt every well, 12 months, 20,000 miles or whatever it was. I can't remember what this. Well, that, and, and, and the other thing is Crank Brothers was a bold concept, period, um, especially with their egg beater pedals. Yeah. And I think the egg beaters were the majority of the failures and not even, and it was the low end egg beater pedals that everybody had that were failing which which tracks as I, well I, th I think all i could be wrong i think all levels were having those spindle issues mm -hmm. and but also if you ever qualified it with anyone not the tie ones though they, they never had the spindle mm -hmm. issues i can't speak yeah. to that because i never bought tie mm -hmm. pedals um but, but when you build a, a a component like that that is, takes so much wear and tear and is on a mountain bike so it's exposed to dirt and grime and mud and everything else and you have minimal materials there's gonna be a point of failure right you know and in support of crank brothers mm -hmm. whenever anyone went to them and said hey mm -hmm. my pedal failed yeah and they didn't go oh did you service it right did you maintain it the way nope they just swapped them out yeah so Big kudos to Crank Brothers along those lines. The other failure that was problematic that I saw, and actually I think this is the one that happened to me. Can't remember. I'm pretty sure it is. But just as a thought exercise, if you were Crank Brothers and you knew you had a, a bad batch of pedals out there, you would be inclined to replace them without question and do it as rapidly as possible just to kind of sweep everything under the carpet. You know, if you maybe we'll, well, we'll hold that thought. Yeah, we're, we're going to go somewhere else okay. very soon here. Uh, the the second point of failure on those Crank Brothers uh, were the springs breaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now those were the lower end. I believe those were the stainless steel springs, yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. And that I think and that was a lot of pedal strikes and rock strikes. That, yeah, and that was a very. I think that was the bad batch yeah. side of things. I think the spindles were an ongoing issue, yeah. but I, I don't know that. Again, Crank Brothers, we would love for y'all to set us straight because we're idiots. And I don't know how, how those spindles are made. Are they milled? Are they cast? Or, you know, I don't know. But they may have changed up their procedures. They may have changed up their, their conditions. Who knows? But the, the fact of the matter is the, the cage, if you will, you know, that was one of the beauties of Crank Brothers. I mean, I, I admire the product design. Um, you know, it's a, essentially a four-sided pedal as mm -hmm. opposed to a two-sided mm -hmm. pedal. Um, but all your components are completely exposed, whereas, like, a Shimano pedal has a lot of built-in armoring, if you will. Now, you can bend the whatever you call it, the cleat retention device on a Shimano pedal with a hard pedal strike, it, it can happen. But with the Crank Brothers, you, you think you've got that little bitty bar just out in space. Not only do you have one, you have four of them. And you hit a rock real hard with that. You're going to mess it up. I mean, 
I, I don't see any way around it. Right. So I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Now, going back to what you were asking about, would, wouldn't it behoove a company to bring back everything as quickly as possible and sweep it on? Well, look at Shimano. Shimano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, apparently, though, that was a bonding issue. Um, there, but it's an, it's a known issue for yes. years and years. But they finally, so I, I saw I saw a press release um, uh, just yesterday, I think. Um, I sent it out to a couple of my friends, but um, they're finally issuing a recall. It's like almost 900,000 sets yeah, of cranks. That, that's what I'm, that's yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah it's a, they're, they're recalling over 750,000 sets of cranks, Yeah, pr- probably upwards of a million. Yeah. Um, and it from what, 2014 to 2020 or something, or yeah. 22 or something yeah. like that? It's absolutely, it's, it's mind boggling. When they went to those, those, uh, sleek looking, uh, multi-piece cranks, they were bonded together with like a two-part epoxy almost. And so what's happening is the spider essentially is bonded to the, to the crank with an adhesive. And so when that fails it just comes apart and you've got all these sharp pokey bits looking up at you. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the ones I've seen in the pictures, it doesn't look like there's a metal fatigue failure. I could be wrong, but, um, it looks like that cover that goes and goes into like almost four arms and then kind of reaches onto the, the spider, if you will, just comes off. And so now you've got this piece looking up, you know. But, but they're making it right finally. Uh, making it right finally, and I, I, I'm I'm scoffing at that statement mm-hmm. because there's no way they're doing it by their choice. Oh no, no, they've run much like in Fight Club. Remember in Fight Club when he went to investigate the the wrecks and they're right, evaluating right, 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 right. they're evaluating doing whether the, doing, whether the doing, recall makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It's it's the same thing. They somebody sat somewhere and crunched the numbers and said it's going to cost us X number of dollars to do a recall on all these cranks and replace every single one. They and they also probably know well we're only going to get you know forty three percent of them returned anyways. Uh, probably 30% of them have already been relegated to a trash bin. 10% of people are out of touch. You know, whatever their right, numbers are. Right, right, And right. they crunched the numbers, and they said, or we can sit through some lawsuits for personal injury because our product failed in a way that it wasn't supposed to fail, and it's going to cost us X more dollars plus the negative exposure, and they they ran the numbers. They didn't do it out of the kindness no, of their well, own No, I don't, I don't even – I don't – I, my guess is they didn't even do the recall based on running them. They were forced by. How do you make Shimano do something that Shimano doesn't want to do? That's like making Apple do something. No, that they, they were they, do. Well, the the. Oh my gosh! Here we go with old man memory. The basically the United States and Europe has one too. The Consumer Protection Agency mm-hmm. that gives bicycle industry guidelines. Yeah, they they can. Make they, or break. They can make you do those things. Hmm. So if if, if now, I mean now that gets into the the nature of why you know 
mountain bikes were 26 inch wheels for the longest time and th- all sorts of things like that um I'm not, see- I'm not seeing the correlation i don't know what you're talking about here. they have guidelines and regulations and they are enforceable and they can not let products come into the united states to be sold as bicycles and bicycle parts but what does that have to do with 26 inch wheels there they had standards and it's were and like the coaster brakes that are, are a requirement for kids bikes and things like that mm-hmm. they have standards that some of which may be archaic now that go back to literally the 1920s, 1930s, 1960s, and things like that. And somewhere along the way, and this, this I feel is, like you're talking out of your ass right now. <laughs> somewhere along the way, there was a designation for off-road bikes couldn't have a greater than 26-inch circumference for the wheels or something like that. I know nothing of that. Yeah, it was, and there was some sort of additional import levy or something like that. Again, I'm. So I'm, are you saying did we circumnavigate that by making them in the states when twenty niners became a thing? Things changed. It, there was an evolution. That's why, like, no. like right now they're trying to get the coaster brake requirement taken off, so that they can sell kids bikes that are handbrake only, hmm. uh, sort of thing, and things like that. Well, um, what they're doing to get around that, though, is they're making them easily modded. Easily, easily removed, yeah. yes. Yeah. But they they don't want to have to be in a hack verse is what yeah. it boils down to. Hmm. Um, but, again, some sort of consumer protection safety aspect of both Europe and, and the United States and probably other – maybe Japan as well. I mm-hmm. don't know. More than likely – forced shimano to do that recall and and that goes with the honda lawnmowers too that's why honda pulled all their lawnmowers i have no clue about honda lawnmowers uh all honda engines for lawnmowers and pressure washers have been millions have been recalled damn it my lawnmower has a kawasaki engine that's a good thing they they yeah they for what reason? Were they catching on fire or failing? Or uh, Basically, something in the flywheel is seizing and people are breaking arms. Oh, shit. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Hmm. Something like 2,500 incidents. Well, mine has an electric start anyways. You just turn the key. You still have you still have the pull start as a backup, right? Mm-mm. No? no I'm talking about my, my zero turn. Oh, okay. I still have a 1962 Montgomery Ward push reel mower as my backup, <laughs> but I'm not mowing two acres with that son of a bitch. <laughs> um, but su- suffice it to say, when you see broad scale recalls like that, they're not instituted by the companies. They're they're instituted by the consumer protection agencies that are out there that, that tell they they're the ones that told salsa you are recalling those handlebars you are recalling those forks hmm. and things like that speaking of which i still have a pair of wood chippers that are it's caught up in warranty since literally mid covid you know cuz they got backed up and they're like well we're not you know they weren't having anybody at their factory they weren't warranty and stuff they were queuing everything and every time I talk to my guy at the shop, he's like, yeah, I need to check on that. They said they're going to replace them. Because I had a pair of carbon bars that broke right at the lever. Um, carbon wood Man, chippers. I, one of the first runs. I know a bunch of people that have mm-hmm. 
had their stuff replaced. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, and it's partly on me and partly on my guy. Which oh, I, okay. Who I won't I, name. I, okay, I, but, I, I guess I, I wasn't. Fo- I mean, if it's been submitted, yeah. What's the holdup? It's lack of follow up because there was a stocking issue there for a while and blah blah blah. But it, I mean, okay. I'm owed a pair of understood. 40, Forty six. That's probably the real issue. That's probably the real issue is the forty six. Maybe, but I. I bet it is. In in all honesty, the the weight difference is not much, and the, from a comfort standpoint, I didn't find much difference either. Um, but I do love me some wood chippers. I have aluminum ones on there now, and those have been modified because. My bike got drugged behind a, a vehicle, and it wore down one side of my bars. And so I just cut them down three inches because I'm never out on the very end of the drops anyways. I'm always tucked up in that right right up against the lever anyways when I'm in that aggressive position. The, but, there you go. Now you're, you're touching on a, uh, a, a heavy uh, realm of debate point and fanboy fanboyisms what's that swept bars no no flare i mean bike racks bike racks was that hitch racks well you're talking about dragging your bike behind a vehicle this was um this was a failure of a component and it was probably arguably our fault as well we were headed for a bike packing expedition we were headed to wood ape ramble as a matter of fact um and my buddy, who I won't name once again, <laughs> uh, had the inch and a quarter or inch and a half mm-hmm. yoke mm-hmm. Um, into a two-inch receiver. Mm-hmm. So he had like a bunch of stuff kind of sure. hobbled together. Yep, yep, yep. So he's increased the lever arm. He's has the smallest possible penetration, and that's what she said. Yeah, and and. We admittedly might have had the majority of our bike packing bags on our bikes as and well. And overloaded. Yeah. And to his credit, uh, our bike was our bikes were locked, cabled to the rack. The rack didn't fail as far as retaining the bike. Sure. The yoke did. The yoke broke. Um, but he also had a cable tying the rack to the subframe of his truck. So when it broke, the whole rack slid. We're just pulling the whole rack. Yeah. yeah. So it was a sled. Yeah. Um, and my bike took the brunt of it to the point where I had my, um, my brifter, which wasn't even, I guess it's just a brake lever cause it was my front, um, was broken. Uh, and so where it actually attaches to the bar was broken. So it's just flopping like this. You could still pull the lever, but it wasn't stable anymore. So we did 120 miles and I had a <laughs> broken brake lever. So, um, but I, I, that was an old equipment thing. That wasn't, it wasn't a one up issue. Um, but I have had, two other one-up issues that were user problems, not equipment problems. 
because um, those things get loose over time. They 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 do. We were scouting um, Wood Ape Ramble once again the, on our initial go up there on the last day after we camped. Um, it was a section that we didn't make it to that uh, McAfee and I wanted to go check out, and we're in the the uh, national forest and we're doing like seven eight miles an hour thick chunky gravel and i'm checking the rearview mirror and looking around all of a sudden the bike rack just funk didn't do anything it just fell out and just was still sitting upright <laughs> so i stopped i mean we were literally 15 feet from the bike rack we go back I'm like well shit i guess because it was just bouncing so much it just in i mean it was pretty rugged roads um and it just this is the the one that has a cam instead of a, a mm-hmm. through yeah um which i like because it when it's tight it doesn't shake yep. all over the place yeah um but we just went back pulled our bikes off the rack put the right back rack back on tightened it down put the bikes back in not an issue you know and i think that was just my fault because i don't tighten it often enough or check it often enough um which I've gotten in a much better habit of, especially because when we were doing the big loop, um, when Shannon and I set out to attempt to do the big loop, we aborted uh, at Big Cedar, and my buddy Ryan Williams came to get us, comes all the way across town, and shows up like a freaking hero and brings cold beer and Gatorade and cold water and snacks, and we sit there and take in all the cold beverages and we're driving back cutting up we get all the way from big cedar mind you we get all the way to my street where well right there off 1830 where the bridge is and um it's dark at this point and williams goes oh shit the bikes fell off and i hadn't looked i was sitting in the back seat probably drinking a beer and i'm thinking they're in Dallas. Right. You right, know, right. I didn't know that they had just fallen off. And it was the same thing. The whole bike rack just funk. And we were, I'm talking, we were less than half a mile from the house. And we had driven from Big Cedar. And luckily, the person that was behind us had the reaction time to stop before they ran over my Fargo and, and Shannon's Timberjack. Um, not only did they stop, they put their hazards on and kind of blocked the road so nobody else like went around them or mm-hmm. ran over our shit. Mm-hmm. And we hopped out and just threw the whole bike rack, bikes and all, in the bed of William's truck because we were only like half a mile right. away. Right. Um, but those are my incidents. And both of those, the latter two, I attribute to user error. You know, but well, I, I you get live it. and you learn. I you get know? it. But the, and the, this is, I'm not knocking one up products yeah. by any stretch of the imagination here. Um, Made in America. Very similar to the Apple fanboy mm-hmm. community around one up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely drives me batty. Yeah. It's perfectly fine to be a fan of one up and like sure. your product. I get that tremendously. But those, fanboys are so anti anything else that they're livid 
about, oh, anything else is garbage. That's trash. You should only do one-up. I don't agree with that. I, I mean, I'm a huge one-up fan. I, that's what I I'm will. saying. I am not knocking the yeah. product at but all. But I think, I think Kuat makes some badass racks, too. I'm, I'm, I'm a Kuat guy. Yeah. Now they have Kashima coating. And I'm like, I've come on. Yeah. I, I'm That's a Kuat guy, shit. but not at the detriment of One Up. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, I've been I've been Kuat since their Gen Gen One Sherpa, yeah. and they've always done right by me. And I'm sure One Up does right for their customers as yeah. well. My my biggest issue between the two, and it's the reason one of the main. Well, Kuat's always done right for me. Yeah, I love their products. But one of the main reasons I stay Kuat is, you know, people talk, you know, well, they're tr they, they compare one-up pricing to Kuat or the high-end Thule or mm -hmm. Yakima Rock. There's a huge difference, though. Yeah. Because all of those others, you can still get those at your bike shop for that price point, and the bike shop's making their money, too. One-up's selling theirs direct That's at true. that price point. So, There's another company now that broke off from one up i can't remember the name of it it's the original guy yeah it's kind of like the the yeti and the arctic it's, almost. it's it's a it's a similar issue yeah yeah um and i'm an arctic guy yeah through and through i got it almost every arctic product <laughs> there, there, there you is. go there's so much being revealed about <laughs> kevin lee right now <laughs> oh and see i'm a yeti guy like I mean, I have a bunch of Yeti cups, and I bought a, a Yeti cooler, God, and it's been twenty years ago, right. fifteen years ago, right. whatever. But um, but no, I mean, I I would never fault somebody for having a Kuat. Kuat makes badass racks, um, and they have some really good innovative features on their racks. Um, but the difference is, One Up kind of does one thing, you know. They, they have, don't dispute it. They have a, a couple of different iterations, but through and through, it's the same shit. You know, you can do a one bike, two bike. You can get add-ons. There's a heavy duty. And then I think the only other thing that they offer is a swing away. So you can just swing the whole rack away. Whereas Kuat does multiple things. And one of the coolest things they do is they have a bike stand integrated into one of their racks. Or maybe multiple of their racks. Yeah, uh, they, they've done that since that Gen One Sherpa back then. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it, it it was more of a gimmick than anything. It it worked. Yeah, it's probably better now. Yeah, I I, it, I haven't had much need for that particular. I think it's cool though. Accessory, it know? is cool. Um, but then you get into like Thule and Yakima are completely different animals. Super modular. You can build your own rack system to fit on a van or on a, in a bed of a truck or on the well, roof. Well, yeah, a, I'm, I'm talking the hitch rack yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's the thing is Yakima and, and Thule, they have, I mean, there's probably a thousand permutations of how you can arrange all their different racks, you know. And then they have trunk racks and hitch racks and, you know, spare tire mount racks. And, I mean, it's just everything and and one up is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum and, I, and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out there for anybody that because uh, again I've, I've stated it before kevin's a cheap bastard at heart and it took kevin many iterations of crappy low dollar 
rack systems before I did find we're but now we're back to some products are definitely are worth, worth the money. Yeah. A hitch rack is one of those products. Spend the money for the right one. It yeah. can be one up. It yeah. can be Kuat. It can be that high-end Thule one. Yeah. I, I'm assuming Yakima has a really good high-end one as well. Yeah, I ran a Thule two-bike two rack for, God, probably 10 years. If, if you have a $5,000 bike and a $200 hitch rack, you're doing it wrong. 100% You're wrong. not going to have a $5,000 bike yeah. for long. It's, it's that simple. I love, my favorite is when somebody does have like a two or $3,000 full suspension bike. So it doesn't have a normal it, front triangle yeah, and yeah. they're running a, a trunk mount rack and where it just has the support bars and their bikes at this All, crazy awkward and, angle and, and the, the wheels flopping around. around. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, you're just, you're just and, waiting for that. And I'm also going to, gonna, I'm, I'm also going <clears> to take it next level. If you're running a roof rack, it's not a matter of if, mm -hmm. but when. Mm -hmm. It will happen. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Ask me how I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some kind of invention that, you know, you, you could do that just sends a signal inside the car to give you kind of a heads-up display that says, hey, dipshit, there's bikes on the roof. Because invariably, you get through with a ride, and you're smashed, yeah. and, and you're, like, thinking calories, and you go through the drive-thru, or you pull into the garage because you're just tired and ready to shower and eat. And, I mean, it happens. It's happened to almost everybody I, I know who's ever hauled bikes on top of their basically, roof. Basically. Yeah. Basically. And anybody that says it'll never happen to me, mm. it, yeah, uh, mark my words my w if you're lucky enough it will only be the rack that gets damaged and not <laughs> and not your bike or your vehicle so my closest call that wasn't that did get deferred that did we were on a road trip to florida had a, a condo in orlando we we're meeting all of both sides of our family there bringing all the kids mm -hmm. we're loaded up in the minivan got the bikes on the top and we're pulling into this condo complex after like 14 hours of driving mm -hmm. i'm cooked yeah i'm done the gates are up at the condo complex and like the security guy is just waving people through and so we're just rolling through and another guy just comes running out of the security uh shed waving his arms waving his arms it's like what the hell and i'm just yeah. i'm plugging along at 30 miles an hour yeah and he he, he and he's running out in front and going like that it's mm -hmm. like, so i swerve over well the security shed had an overhang yeah. <laughs> yeah, i was about i you were was about, about to just clip just them off take yeah. two or three bikes off yeah. there sorry for spraying on yeah. you there but that one didn't happen the one that did happen and i mean ultimately it's my fault mm -hmm. yes it's one that would probably happen to me again i wouldn't even think about it I was going down a road and just turned into a parking lot to turn around, wide open parking lot, mm -hmm. turn in the driveway, and I just hear this god awful sound. It's like, mm -hmm. what the fuck just happened? Mm -hmm. And it had one of those height restriction bars across, so tractor trailers wouldn't go yeah. in there and right. turn around or park or whatever else. A lot of lizard activities. And it it was, and that one destroyed the big yakima 
roof basket I had. Mm -hmm. It uh, tore up the bike, and mm -hmm. uh, it put some good dents in the minivan roof as well. Yeah. yeah. I've seen many a carbon bikes get destroyed like that. I'll take you in the Wayback Machine real quick. When, when roof racks were like the height of like baller bike hauling, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. like back in the early 90s, we were headed to uh, Ruston, to the Pineville. I don't know if they called it the Pineville Classic back then, but um, Lincoln Parish Park. Uh, we were headed there from Shreveport. My buddy, um, we were riding in his Saab, and he had a roof rack. And this is back in the day when it was straight quick release. And so you'd take your front wheel off, and you would lock your fork onto the rack, and you would strap down the rear wheel. And he had these bars that stuck up that you would mount your front wheel in. So your, mm -hmm. forks, your yep. fork's mounted to the roof, your wheel's strapped down, and your front wheel is just in this wheel holder. It's a, it's a fork. And it's, <laughs> and it's just, but it, there's no retention device or anything other than your quick release. Yep, yep. We're doing 75, 80 miles an hour down Interstate 20, headed east, just burning up the road. And all of a sudden, my front wheel comes off at 80 miles an hour. And so it just proceeds to boom, 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 just bounce down traffic. So here we are <laughs> headed to a race. We've got to find the next exit, which are few and far between at that point. Circle back, hope that the, we can A, find the wheel, B, that the wheel hasn't been run over or destroyed. Right. Or, but um, we did find the wheel um, and ended up using it for the race. But that was another danger that nobody was aware of until all of a sudden it punched you in the face. But luckily that system doesn't even exist anymore. And I think soon after that, like maybe a couple of years after that, they started putting almost like the lawyer tabs like they have on forks now. Gotcha. Um, so that wouldn't be as big of an issue. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Lawyer tabs. That's, that's that consumer product. There commission that I was talking yeah. about right there. Yeah. That's crazy. And when you get to really cheap bikes, the ones that, that drive me nuts are the, the washers that actually have the tab that goes into the fork. You may not have ever dealt oh, with that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No. I know what you're talking about. That's pretty crazy. Well, and the dork disc, that's another, that's another yeah. safety feature yeah. sort of thing. The old dork disc. Still? That's my pool what, trying to fire up. What's it doing? Oh, okay. Hmm. Sounds like a big bong. <laughs> Not that I know what that sounds like. Yeah, whatever. Um, no, it's just got air in the system. Um, man, it's, it's crazy to think. I mean, like all the iterations of bike racks, just like the evolution of bikes, you know. Well, but, then, but now that you mention it, um, I mean, is that something that generally speaking, I mean, Yes, Kuat came out with their new, I don't know, Jedi Mind Trick electronic doing everything in the world, wiping your ass or whatever yeah. else one last year or whatever, two years ago. And it's got integrated brake lights yeah. and all kinds of stuff, which I think is very smart, you know? No, nothing wrong, but, yeah. I mean, have they perfected the hit track? So here's where I'm going to fanboy out. Like, one-up to me is 
simplistic built. No, no, no that's what I'm, that's what yeah. I'm getting at. I'm not saying kuats. I'm saying yeah. the industry has it been perfected because there there really hasn't been a substantive change to hitch racks, bike racks, and there hasn't been a new thing. That evolution from roof racks to this variation of a hitch rack to now we've got the one ups and the kuats and we've you know we've got the tray racks that all it's basically the same mm, i don't uh, think so it's the it, one one up is probably the easiest to use one of the most versatile i mean you can put what i'm getting at is the 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 hitch mounted tray design mm -hmm. that's i get it that one ups variation of it has benefits i'm not discounting yeah. that i'm saying the basic platform hitch rack is 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 that where we're at? Is that is that? I don't I don't feel like there's a need for improvement. That's beyond, what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting. Right that's now. what yeah. I'm getting at. I think. I mean, the only thing that that stands for improvement is weight bearing capacity based on e bikes. Well, and such, I guess what. Know? So I guess the the multi bike. If you're needing more than two bikes or more than three bikes, mm -hmm. now you've got the. The upright ones yeah. that can hold what six bikes yep. or whatever yep. else, and those are pretty badass too. I um, and they have hydraulic uh, lowering and raising system, which is pretty cool. Um, I've used one of those a couple of times, um, and then now you have the Endurbros that just have the tailgate pad too. Yeah, so which works. I rolled. Well. I, I rolled that way for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, it's. I, ultimately, I, I think I still like a hitch rack better, generally speaking. Well, I mean, the, the tailgate pad is, its original intention is just for shuttling. Yes. Like your buddy's yeah. sitting at the bottom of the hill, you ride down, you throw your bike over the tailgate, he drives you back up to the top. No, I get that. It's not meant for cross-country traveling and stuff like that. I mean, I guess, you know, throwing your bike in the, in the back of the truck to ride to the trail is probably fine, too. Hell, I... I can't tell you how many years I just threw my bike literally in the back of my truck, laid it down, and drove to the trail. So yeah, it bit me in the ass a couple times yeah. doing that though. Yeah. Broken shifters or whatever else. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely damage incurred. It was it was a neglectful way to carry my bike. Yes, yes, <laughs> to say the least. Yes, but um, no, I, I, other than greater weight carrying capacity to accommodate e-bikes, I don't. Feel like there's much more needed mm, for so, yeah. for bike um, bike carrier applications. I don't think that we need to just keep reinventing the wheel, so to speak. But that being said, I love my one up. Love love the one up. Um, that's, and I, I I keep repeating it. There's yeah. nothing I say that's against one up. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form, I because I don't have a way to yeah. to give an opinion. I'm sure Kuat's the same way too. But like literally on the one up, like if if one of my parts wears out, and if, if I'm sure they probably would warranty if it wore out, but if one of your parts breaks or you you mess it up, you can literally go on their site and you can buy every you could you could buy every component piece, spring, bolt, nut. Of a one-up rack and build a one-up rack if you wanted to. If you were you, you do that with Kuat too, but you don't yeah. have to buy it. You just say this failed. They send it yeah. to you. Yeah. They do I, a Robert Axel thing. Yeah, I've I've not had to mess with that with one-up. So, 
That's. I've had two. We we had uh, our our Gen One Sherpa rack that we had that was extremely used. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say abused, but you know, I I, w I was one of those that the hitch rack stayed on the vehicle full time. Um, I, you know, it just it went everywhere. Oh yeah, mine lives on my truck. And so I probably probably after five years of that driving all over the country, a gazillion dirt roads. Uh, the telescoping arm. Do that again. Just like this. <laughs> Aren't you used to that? Yes. That's um, a long stroke action there, buddy. It really is. It um, it got a little sticky. Yeah. Yeah. So my Thule did the same, the opposite thing, because it's all a ratchet system. Yeah. You know, and to release yeah. it, you push it. Well, it got to where it almost wouldn't stay. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, and that's just, like I said, that thing lived on the back of my truck whether it was hauling bikes or not so it was subject to uv sun yeah. or, or rain uh, freezing heat everything i mean and after 10 years you expect shit to fail right especially if you just you know treat it like yeah. that but. yeah i just i just sent kuat an email saying you know is there do i lube this or just take it apart and do this or whatever right. and they said what's your address and they sent two brand new arms full arms and yeah. so you're done yeah that's badass so, so basically it was it was a rack that we had already sold to a friend for a discounted price mm -hmm. and i told her it's like well I'm, I'm just i'm gonna get it lubed up and fixed or whatever so give me a week yeah and so she basically got a brand new rack for good hundred bucks i've heard nothing but good things about their customer service as well not not in the candy not in R the crank brothers crank brothers uh, realm but well but yeah. they take care of their people that's that's and uh, goes back to what i was saying and when you, when I, and you i'm pay sure a premium yeah i'm sure that, one up does as well mm. um so it's it's yeah that's hitch racks bike racks in general that's definitely a, a product that uh you may not get what you pay for if you buy the wrong brand but if you buy the right brand it's worth the premium price and I have no problem endorsing Kuat or One Up because I have so many friends that yeah. are One Up uh, proven. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I have no problem pointing people tor towards either one. And I've heard, like I said, I've heard really good things about that latest generation Thule as well. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like big box uh, brand bicycles too. I mean, you buy a, a Specialized or a Trek or a Cannondale, and something happens. They stand behind their product, you know, for the most part. Do they? I don't. I've lost. Yeah. I've lost track of because that kind of went back and forth over the years. Where the there was lifetime warranty, then there was a five year warranty, then there was a one year warranty, and it really depends on the material, like carbon, uh, and it's and it also varies from manufacturer to manufacturer. But you know, um, Specialized did have a lifetime warranty at one point on their aluminum on, stuff. Yeah, but but we all know that aluminum fails over time. I mean, well, they all fail over time. Yeah, yeah. I I'll be honest with Every you. Every bike dies. I, I I think aluminum will be uh, will be making a comeback here as a primary uh, frame material. Not, I don't think any frame material is going to just go away no I what mean, i'm saying i think i think 
think aluminum will be cool again it fairly all, soon. It all ebbs and flows. The yeah, only thing I don't ebb. see coming back is scandium. And maybe it will. And I think it, no. it's still there in some realm. It's, I don't it, know if specializes their M4. I don't think that's still a thing. But that was their scandium. Isn't there something about scandium, one of the... It's just another aluminum alloy. Yeah, but it's one of the elements of the alloy is um, hard to get anymore or su or super high price. Or so. so it's it's not likely that scandium will ever be a thing again. Yeah. But, I mean, titanium has its, you know, it, it all ebbs and flows. You know, steel has a resurgence. You know, steel is real. I, I've never fallen out, fallen out of love with steel. Um, I mean, my karate monkey steel, and other than the weight penalty, it's a rock-solid bike, and it's comfortable as, as can be. But titanium, for the price, it's, I, I it's expensive, a, uh... but it's super comfy and light. Well... Depends on the, the bike you buy, but the carbon has a very short lifespan. You know, I don't, I don't think you expect to ride a carbon bike for 10 years. Whereas a titanium bike, I expect I, to ride I, it for 10 I, years. I, quite frankly, I consider carbon bikes disposable bikes. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I think aluminum is kind of very uh, close to that. I, I wouldn't say close. I wouldn't say close. I think aluminum, uh, I think aluminum, um, Aluminum and carbon both fail catastrophically. When they fail, it's it's a bad thing. No, uh, it's 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 irreparable. Yeah. Generally speaking, you need to quit hitting the cord, man. Someone would route my cable properly. I didn't know how you were going <laughs> to position things this time, so I gave you the slack to play with, so you could route it appropriately. But I had. Um, Irreparable carbon fails catastrophically, mm -hmm. where it just well, the, the, the well, submersible. Here we, go. here we go. Thought, thought, thought exercise, real quick. Yeah, back to the N plus one conversation. Yep, if Kevin could design his ultimate bike, what would the frame material be? Go titanium. There you go. I mean, that's I, I think the majority of our buddies would, uh, would pick well, our buddies, okay. titanium. Now, if if I, I don't could, think the majority of the bicycle customer base would, though. Um, I think most bicycle customers lean towards carbon as their. Well, yeah. I mean, if if I could get a new bike every two years supplied to me, you know, if I was a factory rider or something, sure, I would want carbon. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then I would still choose titanium myself, but but then we'd start talking about different bikes too. Like you yeah. wouldn't want a tie suspension bike. You know, you'd want a carbon suspension I, bike. Actually, I would want an aluminum suspension, full suspension bike mm. myself. But I'm talking about price is not an issue. Here. I'm still... I'm, I'm, I'm carbon. I'm, I'm aluminum. Yeah. See? I love the fact that we're never on the same page. Never. <laughs> not a single time, it I don't think. It excites me. I enjoy it. <laughs> um, I, think, I think from a hardtail standpoint, I'm titanium uh, nearly 100% of the time. <clears> but I'm also not a racer anymore. Right. In my racing days, my dream bike would have been carbon because light, stiff, you know, all of those attributes. But now I'm more, I want a bike that I can just beat the shit out of and it's still going to perform the same. I'm not worried about, I mean, if, if I take a, a high-end carbon bike on the kind of rides I do, I mean, when we hit gravel and it starts hitting the down tube, it makes you cringe. 
You know? Agreed. That, and that's why I would lean towards... Titanium. Aluminum. Aluminum. On a full suspension bike. Hmm. Because Ke- Kevin's skills suck. Hmm. I hit shit. Yeah. And I don't want I don't want to be the guy that's worried about laying down the bike on the rock the wrong way. Yeah. Sort of thing. Now, don't get me wrong. The people that... Oh, I would never buy carbon be- because you could lean it up against the corner of the wall and your bike's just... No, I'm not going to that extent. I'll tell you this. When I got my Soulcraft, my Soulcraft was maybe four months old, and I was in Fruta, Colorado, and I was just absolutely gassed. Steel frame bike now. Mm-hmm. And I... Very stupid on my part. I leaned it against a parking curb. It was a square block parking curb, and I just put both tires up against it, and it was just leaning on the tires. And I'm sitting on another parking curb right next to it, eating and drinking before I go out and do another loop on whatever. And this huge gust of wind comes through and blows my bike over. Well, it hits on the top tube, on the parking curb. Like I said, it's four months old, and I had been waiting for it for 18 months. And it put a dent in the top tube, and I just, I wanted to cry. But then I realized it was going to get dented. Yeah. I I almost felt a little bit of relief because it didn't dent it. It didn't crack the paint. It didn't do, it just, it looked like a little thumbprint. Yeah. And I was like, as soon as I kind of embraced it and went, well, I was going to scratch it. I was going to dent it. I was going to do something. And I, I rode that bike for 10 years, never had an issue. So, but it did make me want to cry. Understood. It still gets me a little mm, upset, but that shit happens, you know? But if it would have been carbon, potentially could have cracked Could have failed. Yeah. Could have failed. So, um, I don't know. Uh, aluminum has never been my go-to material for bikes. It is light. It's also, I mean, it's lighter than steel we know um you can put it together in a in a much more custom configuration they can spit them out way quicker um but it just aluminum has a lifespan it It, fatigues it 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 does fatigue i'm not Mm -hmm. saying i'm not saying it doesn't but it takes a lot to fatigue aluminum but it also doesn't have the compliance of steel or titanium it does not have the compliance yeah. of steel or titanium, but if you're once you're in the realm of two and a half inch tires and full suspension, it doesn't really matter at that, that a, point. That is a very fair point. Um, where the um, my issue with aluminum, though, is I don't know that I've ever seen an aesthetically pleasing aluminum frame. They, I'm not saying they're ugly, but I mean, obviously, you can see a tie frame. Again. That's so sexy. Steel. What about, what about the Klein Mantra? Uh, you, go, you go. You start throwing Klein paint jobs on stuff. That's yeah. it. That's paint. Yeah. That, that's not. Yeah. That's now fair. that said, Klein did do a better job on aluminum than anyone as yeah. far as making a good looking frame. But carbon's sexy. I mean, well, is carbon sexy as hell? Carbon is super sexy. Can be. Yeah. It can. It can be stu- super stupid. Like. Again, going back to last week when we were talking about the moots. Have, have you seen the pictures of that bike? Mm-mm. I think it's the ugliest bike I've ever seen. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Because I have not looked it up. Yeah, the the moots carbon bike or whatever. I think 
it's got this ridiculous sloping top tube and obviously it's uh, you know, a hundred mile range, so it's got a huge down tube for the battery and everything like that. And e-bike. Now, now, don't get me wrong. If they wanted to give me one to test out, I'll ride it. Yeah. And I may very well like it, but I think I think, and maybe I'm just I mean I'm just used to Moot's titanium and you know just. Is it on their site yet? I can't speak to that. I thought it might be. Are you but, sure Moot's is making an e-bike? Yes. Hmm. It was all over the news last week. I didn't ever see it, but that's that's carbon. that's that surprises me because uh, usually whenever we see stuff like that, we we both start start talking about it at the same time. Moots carbon fiber bike. How about that? I still don't Do, see it. Moots carbon gravel bike. Moots Express e gravel bike. Yeah. Is this it? Oh yeah. Oh. So I'm not wrong. That's an ugly no. bike, right? I mean, it's not hideous. But okay, that's an ugly moots. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Not because it's carbon. I just that that when I think of moots, that's not those aren't the lines I think of. I'm also, I'm still in the like absolute hold off camp of e-bikes. I'm going to resist, 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 resist. As long as possible. I understand the appeal. Um, I don't... I do. I'm not going to say that. I was going to say I don't disparage anybody for getting an e-bike, but I do. Um, and it's just probably insecurity on my own side. But I uh, I want to stay pedaling my own bike for as long as I can. Um, and there seems to be this camp of e-bike like guys that are on e-bikes are like they justify everything i don't want to i, I shouldn't even get in no, this you're, can you're of too, worms you're too deep you gotta go now <laughs> I, I i i'm fascinated where you're going with this and i i i'm i get the appeal but i'm i'm gonna be a resistant uh person as long as possible no but with the, these it's guys inevitable. That, these guys that do what where were you going with that i've been with so many guys that are like oh, i'm working just as hard as you yeah and yeah, i'm okay. like i'm like no you're not you're delusional um i get that you can still go out on an e-bike and get a, a tough ride when um but don't tell me you're working as hard as i am i'll 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 i'll, I'll I'll accept that you can get a workout. No, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it on heart rate data. I'll take it on. If, if you show me your ride and we have a friend that rides an e-bike and mm -hmm. has demonstrated their heart rate profile mm -hmm. where you're averaging 160 beats per minute on your e-bike for mm -hmm. two hours, yeah, you're getting as much workout as if you're on your regular bike for two hours at 160 beats per I I will grant that. Uh, where I will fall back on it is 97.3% of the e-bike riders aren't doing 160 beats per minute over two hours. But here's here's my thing. Well, so, okay, effort versus results, you're not working as hard. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, so here, uh, here's, here's what I'm going to say. You're going to have to explain that one. Yeah, let, me, I'm not following let me paint it. the picture. If I go out and do just call it an east side lap at North shore okay. and I average 11 miles an hour 
So I'm barely sub hour okay. on the east side. Okay. And you go out on an e-bike and you do an 11 mile an hour average on the east side. You are not working as hard as I am. No. I, right. No, and I don't think anybody on an e-bike says they are. I'm just saying. I'm saying. But if I go out, if you go out and do the east side of North Shore for an hour at mm-hmm. 160 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. Pedaling your bike. Mm-hmm. And that gets you one loop. Mm-hmm. And I go out on an e-bike, and I do 160 beats per minute for an hour, and I end up back to the guard shack. Mm-hmm. We still had the same workout. Mm-hmm. Do you disagree with that? I don't, I don't, I don't know how to process all that. Uh, if, you're, if you're working out at 160 beats per minute for 60 minutes, you're working out at 160 beats per minute for 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah I'm not disputing that. Okay. Yeah. So... You don't quantify it by the distance covered in X amount of time. You cover, you quantify it based on the workload over mm-hmm. X amount of time. Right. But I'm saying if I'm riding your wheel and you're telling me you're working just as hard as I am, then that's uh, not. Do people say, do e-bikers say that? It's been said. Well, they're full of shit. They yeah. don't know what they're talking that's about. Was, that's That was the heart that's a, of okay, my argument. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. If that person thinks they're working just as hard, yeah. I, no, I'll, I'll, shit, yeah. I'll take all the gruff I can get on that. No, you're not. That's, yeah. you're, that's what I was saying. Like, you're fooling yourself. I didn't realize anybody would even think that was a possibility. If it's tit for tat, like, you know, X miles an hour over a certain amount of time, it's not, but it's it's not, not the same. No, it's not based yeah. on miles per hour. Yeah. Now, the... Uh, I'm real relent to the heart rate data. Absolutely. Now the one that gets me, and I know this is going to sound like we're e-bike bashing, but it's, it's not, I'm e-bike rider bashing here, Mm. just certain e-bike riders. But the, the ones that turn it around to, they have a higher skill set of bicycle handling because they're on their e-bike able to do an average speed of 12 or 14 miles an hour. I think that that, that is part of the learning curve. And I think inevitably, given because I've ridden but way before e-bikes came around, I rode with quite a few guys that came over from the roadside that were stupid strong and literally could ride faster than they deserved to ride meaning their skill set wouldn't allow for them to ride i get that yeah and so i think there's a conditioning that has to happen and if you dip your toe into that e-bike realm it's very feasible for you to find yourself in over your head you've got more power than skills um and i see i see those markings on the trail like i see skid marks uphill going into a corner thinking what that had to be an e-bike right here's somebody that came in way too hot where they shouldn't have even had that much power right you know but i think you know i've got a a good buddy that rides an e-bike that's an ex-motocrosser that it's a perfect fit for him you know because he's got that that data processing skill that reading the trail that feedback you know everything and he can just monster that bike through sure that makes sense um, no uh, that 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 part does make sense but mm-hmm. you kind of you kind of cut me off midstream oh, there. sorry you, did, you, did, you 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 got to my what was going to be the backside of the conversation yeah, is the the people that take the position that 
their skill set is too good to be to be pedal biking. Yeah. That that they, that they they can't ride to their their skill level on with uh with a regular bike. They're they're a much better bike rider that they need the e assist to show off how talented they are. That would be a difficult argument for you to make with me. I would argue just get some more fitness, go faster. Yeah. That and you're, that's kind of where I was. Yeah, you're handicapping your way into. Being, and being a better I, I, bike rider. And I, 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 don't, I don't dispute that maybe they do have that motocross background. Yeah. And that they, they can do Joey Pratt and just weave through the trees like yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. I don't dispute that there are people with that yeah. skill set. But, you know, saying you're a better rider than pedal bikers that are an average two miles an hour slower than you. Mm-hmm. That, well, you know, they wouldn't be able to do this anyway. I, I I beg to differ. I'm guessing most of those pedal bikers that don't have e-bikes that are just a couple miles an hour average under you, if they were on an e-bike, they would be trouncing you. Yeah, and, and here's my inverse of what I said earlier is I have, and this is a, me bragging just a little bit, but I have way better skills than I have speed. Like if I could go faster, I could handle it. Um, there are, have been times when I'm in really good shape and I can go a lot faster on more technical trails, but I also have been on a trail for 25, 30 right. years. Right. So um, there are times when I'm not as physically fit as other people that I'm riding with, and I can still get the job done because of said skills. Now, that being said, if I wasn't, I would, I'm dangerously interested in doing a hot lap on an e-bike but then i kind of don't want to it's like it's like heroin i'm sure it's amazing but i'm not inclined to try it (laughs) you know i can see i can see both sides of that there's no no doubt about that um that being said e-bikes are like one of the fastest growing uh market oh it's it it is the market yeah going forward there's 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 no disputing that and i yeah. don't begrudge anyone for getting an e-bike i'm no. not i not, don't either i'm secretly jealous I, eh, i'm not gonna go there because mm-hmm. if i was that jealous i would just get an e-bike it's just it it's not anything that that interests me for what i'm looking to do on a bicycle but if anyone else that's into it i have no problem with that at all you know, it's just the rationalizations or yeah, yeah, yeah. They always drive me back, regardless of whether it's e-bike or not, or uh, this this hitch rack versus that hitch. When people start getting into rationalizations of my stuff's better than yours because it's my stuff, yeah. that just drives me absolutely of, batty. At the end of the day, just like I said, if you're on a bike, good. Fantastic. That's it. I mean, if you want an e-bike, get an e-bike. If you want to ride a, a wooden bike, do it. You know, if you want a bamboo bike, do it. That, but, that reminds me. But don't espouse mine's better than yours and so this and that. You know. Something I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. it struck me yesterday. Tell me if I'm off base here. I'm thinking for my single speed project, maybe I just sell the chumba, keep the fork though, and uh, take those proceeds and just get me a Kona unit and just be done with it instead of building it up. I had a lot of thoughts on that. 
You got nine minutes. Yeah. Um, I would, I would discourage that. I mean, because in, inevitably, what's going to happen if you buy a Kona unit, you're going to end up replacing. I mean, let's just start with the grips that it comes with. You're going to want new grips. The brakes aren't going to be good enough. Then eventually, you're going to replace the wheels, and the seat that comes on it's probably not going to be your jam. But I'm rolling in one day as opposed to acquiring those bits over the next six months and then what i'm saying is those bits will fail over time or i'll bash them on the corner of the truck or whatever else and yeah but you can build it the way you want it as opposed to starting now if if you were new to cycling i would say absolutely buy it buy a bike off the rack upgrade over time upgrade as you see fit meaning you're riding and all of a sudden or at some point you realize this saddle's not my favorite maybe i should try a different saddle or these cranks aren't short enough or long enough or i need to change realistically my gear. i don't but even building the uh well even building the chumba up mm-hmm. um one piece at a time and scrounging through my friends junk drawers and mm-hmm. stuff like that uh it's going to be the same thing i don't know any components these days well enough to go that's those are the brakes that I want. I may know some that I don't want. I but don't want. A, but you have a wheel set for it. Right? Kind of. Not what I want. Oh. I well, prefer then, 29er wheel set. Well, then sell the wheels and buy the wheels you want. Nobody wants to buy 27 and a half backcountry wheels. I don't blame them. Exactly. <laughs> that was a test, and it was a, it was, for me, it was a failed test. It was two rides on that setup. It's like, because the outer diameter was going to be really close to 29 if you run a 2.8 yeah yeah which i get but but it didn't work for me it didn't work that way i did not get the. i it rolled like i was hanging up on the same stuff that a 26 inch wheel yeah would and you're and you're adding a lot of rotational weight exactly that's what i'm saying it was but this was in 27 and a half plus it's 27 and a half thing is that still a thing I don't think so. I mean, there was a time when I wanted or I thought about trying it. But then at the same time, I'm like, why do I want to introduce, like, you know, I had so many 29ers. Why would I get a 27 and a half where I can't just swap wheels from two different bikes? Why would I run two different? It just didn't make any sense. I was was trying to... My attempt was to um, not go full suspension, so I was wanting a bigger tire yeah. uh, along the, and not not uh, not worry about rear suspension. Yeah, uh, um, and that was that was the idea I had in mind, and like I said, that was right. That was dead set in the middle of twenty seven five or six fifty B plus. Yeah. And uh, it's like, okay, that's that seems to make sense. And I think it proved to be a bigger fad than the per- it, perception oh, of twenty nine er. It yeah. was by yeah. f- by far. Yeah. Like I said, I was one ride into it, it's like mm, that wasn't what I was expecting. Two rides into it, it's like no, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. So I I quickly got some secondhand twenty nine er wheels on it. Oh, this is a good bike. But you got your seven fifty D on order. <laughs> All right, I saw you looking at your watch. You got to get ready to go, right? I got to do stuff. I understand. 
Hey, we did mostly talk bikes today, though. Yeah. Probably pissed some people off, too. At least 11 of our 19 listeners. I think we think we fell down to 16. Because hmm. okay. Spotify didn't update, but, you know. We love all of you. E-bikes and all. Shiftlesslive at gmail.com. Tell us all about it. 